0: This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello there. It's Jeremy Myers, and you are listening to the One Verse Podcast. The following episode is an excerpt. Taken from one of the lessons in my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. In case you aren't aware of it, I have an online discipleship group. And one of the main things I do in this discipleship group is teach online courses. I think there's about 10 courses available now for people in the discipleship group. And one of them, one of these courses, is The Gospel Dictionary. The Gospel Dictionary looks at 52 keywords of the gospel... When it's all said and done, there might be a few additional words as well. And contains, I don't know, so far, about 100 hours of teaching, and I'm only about halfway through. So um, uh, this this podcast episode is an excerpt from one, just one of the lessons in that dictionary course. Now, if you want to take that course, you have to be part of the discipleship group, and you can do that by going to redeeminggod.com Join. Learn uh, more there and uh, join up there. So I, I look forward to to seeing you there inside the discipleship group and uh, taking this course. Uh, this course will eventually become a book, probably several books, uh, but that's several years away from the time of me recording this. I got to finish the course itself. And then edit and process. and So anyway, uh, if, if you're anxious, though, to read everything and get access to everything, the only way to do that is inside the Discipleship group, okay? They have PDF downloads, MP3 downloads, and you can uh, interact with me there as well about the content of these lessons. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate it, telling other people about it as well. That's how uh, word spreads about this. If you find the content of these podcasts helpful, Uh, and you're sharing it with others. Thank you so, so much. All right, with all of that in mind, let's get into the content of today's podcast study. All right, so one of the first New Testament texts we want to talk about is Romans 6, 19, uh, and also the mention of flesh in Romans 7, 5 and 25, and then into Romans 8, 6, and 7 as well. Let me read these verses for you. Starting with Romans 6, 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. And then into chapter 7, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. In verse 25, So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then jumping up into Romans 8, verses 6 and 7, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. All right, so let's talk about how Paul is using the word flesh in Romans and especially in these texts that I've just read. The concept of flesh is quite prominent in Paul's epistles. Uh, In general, when Paul refers to the flesh— he is referring to the whole of a person's physical existence, their entire life on this earth. And uh, this not only includes the tissue, the physical body, the meat and bones that makes up our body, but it also typically includes a person's mental capacities, their inner anxieties, fears, worries, you know, their physical strength, their physical capacity. So, So basically for Paul... The term flesh is sort of an all-inclusive, all-encompassing concept of, uh, that describes earthly life on this planet, okay? Uh, earthly life in its totality. Now, as a result of this way of thinking, Paul frequently differentiates between the earthly life of the flesh and the heavenly life of the Spirit, Right? He, he, he sort of compares and contrasts the two. And it's important to note that when he does this, he's not saying, he never says that the earthly life is inherently evil or hostile to God. He doesn't even say that in these verses. It's simply limited in its scope. The earthly life, the physical life, the fleshly life is limited in its understanding of all that there is, of what's really going on in this earth. Uh, The earthly life of the flesh, it basically lacks all of the necessary information to make proper decisions about what is truly important in life and how to understand things that go on in life. All right? if, if you are limited in your understanding, if you don't have all the information you need when making a decision, when making a choice, you're going to make bad choices. And Paul is basically saying that's the problem with the flesh. It's not bad. It's not evil. It just is not fully informed of what's going on. But the Spirit informs us, which now allows us uh, to make proper choices because we have more information. Okay, so when Paul writes in Romans 6.19 about speaking in terms of in human terms, because of the weakness of the flesh, uh, he's basically saying he's describing how life works in the physical, earthly, human perspective. And it's a foolish way because it's very limited in its understanding. And But this also, when we think about it, this also is what happens when we sin. When humans sin, uh, we typically don't think we're giving up our freedom uh, to the sin. We think we're actually experiencing freedom. And in all honesty, when we sin, it often seems quite liberati- liberating. It's like, woohoo, look what we're doing. This is so fun, sort of a concept, right? But Paul is pointing out that the only reason we think that, the only reason we experience that, is because our flesh is limited. Uh, the, the weakness of our flesh does not have all the information of what is actually going on. And usually it's only later when we're enslaved or we've destroyed our relationships or our finances or our health or something like that that we realize, oh, it was fun for a while, but look at the situation, look at the mess I am in now, okay? You learn through experience that you cannot always trust what your flesh is feeling and thinking to be uh, a, good, a, a good source of choice-making uh, for, for your life. Okay, we, we, we gain a proper perspective about slavery to sin through experience. But Paul is saying there's also a better way to learn about slavery to sin, and that is through the Spirit, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, this is what he talks about in the following verses, in Romans 6, verses 1 through 14. The spiritual awakening, the, the understanding that we gain through Spirit baptism, through being the Spirit coming and indwelling within us. Uh, that, the spirit, the indwelling spirit, helps us see the world, see ourselves, and see sin in a whole new light. Okay, Without that awakening, without the indwelling spirit, the flesh is, is simply unable to comprehend or grasp the danger of giving ourselves over to sin. All right? Uh, So the way of slavery to sin is the way that leads to death. That's what Paul writes in Romans 6, 21 through 23. So this uh, is—Paul is basically saying here that the flesh is ignorant— and so it leads us to sin and it leads us into death. And he, he goes on to describe this even more in Romans chapter 7. This tricky passage that many people argue and debate about, but what Paul is talking about is referring to himself as a regenerate person or unregenerate person, his past experience as a religious zealot, his current experience, what's going on here. It doesn't really matter. All of that uh, debate sort of ends up missing the point of Romans chapter 7, Uh, But in this chapter, Paul is showing how the law, religious law, works with the flesh to actually create sin, to bring about sin, which then leads us to death. And it's all because of the flesh. The flesh is ignorant of the ways of the spirit. And as a result, it focuses on externals. What do religious people, legalistic people, love to focus on? Well, they focus on. Externals, what people wear, what people look like, what people say, their behaviors. Religious, legalistic, zealots, almost never, it's impossible to focus on internal things of the heart and mind because you can't see them, you can't judge them, you can't condemn them, you can't create a to-do list. This is what Paul is talking about. When religion creates this list of do's and don'ts, This is giving in to the ignorance of the flesh, because the Spirit is not about those things. Um, The law, religious law, is only concerned with external actions and behavior. Uh, And this is why one can keep the whole law and yet still not have the true inner change of heart that God wants and desires. This is why God didn't want or desire to give law to the people of Israel after they had left Egypt. Did you know that? He didn't want to give them law. He wanted to have a relationship with them based on love. But they didn't want that. They rejected that, and they said, give us law instead, which is what God did. I, will t- I talk a lot more about this in the Gospel Dictionary Entry on Law, which at the time of recording this is not available yet, but it is in my book, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, I have two whole chapters there on law. And uh, if you're curious sort of about this understanding of the Mosaic law, religious law, then uh, get the book, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, and read those chapters. All right, so when the law is followed, though, in the blindness of the flesh, here's what it, it, it leads us to think, well, I'm doing what God wants me to do. You know, I am in the right with God because I am doing my checklist of do's and don'ts. Uh, And then when you do that, it allows those people to think that since they're better than others, well, if everybody just behaved like me, then they would be better as well like I am. And so they start judging, accusing, and condemning other people for not being as obedient of the law as they are. And if these other people... Get upset at this judgment and condemnation, then it leads to further accusation. And this can even lead to fights and arguments and maybe even death. All right. Which again all comes from the ignorance of the flesh. Right? They think they are doing what God wants, but in judging and condemning and accusing and maybe even killing other people they are doing the opposite of what God wants. Okay? Uh, and as, so as a result of their judgment of lawbreakers, they feel they feel justified in this behavior. And so they're, they're living a religion of death based on death, which leads to death. And all of this is what Paul is talking about when he refers to the sinful passions of Romans 7.5. Okay? This is not primarily—look at the context— not primarily lust and sensuality, but the zealous passions of religion that he has in mind, which leads people to judge, condemn, and maybe even kill in God's name. All right? So in Romans 7:25, near the end of the chapter, Paul contrasts the law of God with the law of sin. All right. His mind, that is the spiritual mind, serves the law of God, but his flesh serves the law of sin. So what is Paul talking about here? Well, he's already pointed out that the law of sin, it's not sin itself, the sensuality, living, greed, uh, lust, and, you know, anger, all those sorts of things. Paul has already equated the law of sin with the Mosaic law. It's based on externals. When someone is focusing on obeying the Mosaic law, guess what? They are living according to the law of sin, (laughs) as Paul describes it. And the law of God is opposed to that, opposite of that. Uh, It is the spiritual law written upon the heart of the regenerate person. And it's not about a list of do's and don'ts. Thou shalt not, thou shalt do this. Uh, It is based on a list of it is not based on the things, a list of things we should not do, should not taste, should not handle, should not touch, should not look on, okay? It is in based instead entirely upon love, love for God and love for others. When we properly love God and love others, we will automatically and naturally do the things required by the law, but not as a list of to-dos, simply because we love. Right? And this is what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter uh, 7, and he goes on to describe this even more in Romans chapter 8. As a result of living according to the law of God, all condemnation and accusation is done away with. <laughs> Since God does not condemn us in Jesus, we have no right to condemn or judge or accuse anyone else either. Right? We are not condemned, and therefore we should not condemn. This is what Paul is talking about Romans 8, one It is only the fleshly, carnal mind that is focused on this outward, religious observance, this law of sin. It is only that mindset that condemns and accuses others. Something to think about, by the way, when you are going to accuse and condemn other people. That's not coming from God. It's coming from the accuser. Satan. Accusation of others is a satanic activity, all right? Uh, the spiritual activity is loving, forgiving, accepting, and extending grace and mercy, as God has done for us. God does not condemn and accuse us. That's the, spir- that's the Satan's uh, work. Uh, God accepts and loves and forgives. And so when we are spiritual, when we are spiritually minded, we will view others in the same way God views us. Uh, So the other way of life, the fleshly way of life, the sinful way of life, the religious way of life, that leads only to death for everyone involved. True life, true liberty is found by allowing the Spirit to work with our mind and show us what God really wants for us in life. All right, this is Romans 8, 6, and 7. We live our best life when we do not allow the fleshly mind, the ignorant fleshly mind with its limited perspective, when we don't allow it to rule and dominate and tell us how to live. Instead, we allow the illuminating Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts and actions so that we love, accept, and forgive others just as God loves, accepts, and forgives us. And that's what Paul goes on to talk about at the end of Romans chapter 8. Okay, so for Paul in Romans and in many of the other Pauline texts, what is the carnal mind, the fleshly mind? It's not the sin nature. There's no such thing as a sin nature. The fleshly mind, the carnal mind, is simply our ignorant way of thinking based on a limited human perspective about how things work in this world. The fleshly mind, the carnal mind, simply does not have all the information about how things really work, about uh, how God, what he really wants, what is true, what his true will is for our mind. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind, uh, only sees externals and then bases life and actions and decisions upon those externals. And usually, from a religious perspective, those externals are based on some sort of religious law, which do not reflect, do not show what is really going on in a person's heart and mind. Remember, the most religious, zealous, law-observing people in the days of Jesus and the days of Paul were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who Jesus said over and over and over, do not know what they're doing and do not know what God really wants for their lives. They ended up killing Jesus in God's name. That's what happens when you follow the fleshly mind, the ignorant mind, the religious mind. Okay? They think when they kill these people in God's name that this is what God wants, but God actually wants the opposite. And if we have the, all the information required through the Spirit, then we are able to make better decisions by our Spirit to know how to live in this world the way God wants us to, which is the way Jesus lived in this world, which is the way of love and forgiveness and mercy and grace and self-sacrifice for others. Okay, so that is the flesh in Romans 6, 7, and 8. And it helps us understand many, many other New Testament texts about flesh as well. So that's going to do it for today's podcast study. I hope you found this study helpful and beneficial in not only understanding a key word about the gospel, related to the gospel in Scripture, uh, but also bringing you greater and deeper understanding of a particular Bible verse uh, from Scripture. And of course, it's not just about gaining knowledge of the Scripture, but also applying it to our lives so that we can live in light of the gospel with God and with others, and also bringing this light to the world. Just as a reminder... This podcast study was an excerpt from my Gospel Dictionary online course. This course looks at 52 keywords of the gospel and hundreds and hundreds of Bible passages about the the gospel. And uh, it is available. The only way to take this course is by joining my online discipleship group. You can learn more and join by visiting redeeminggod.com. Slash join. You not only get access to this online course, the Gospel Dictionary, but all of my other courses as well. We're thousands of dollars. There's hundreds of hours of teaching, and I'm adding more all the time. So, anyway, if you would like to learn in this format through audio, uh, you can join there. There's PDF downloads, book downloads, free ebooks, even get access to my private Facebook group. You can contact me by email and so many other benefits as well. Uh, Just by joining up, I'm going to send you a free audio book on prayer. So anyway, to learn more and join me there, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as well. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye.